1: why watch that TV talk? Oh, we're back. (coughs) And we're back with the barrage of quick hits, is what I'm told. (laughs) Yes, this is another TV talk. We Listen, we took a vacation, but TV didn't take a vacation. Mm. So what we're going to do is we're going to race like lightning through these TV shows we've got some series premieres, a lot of them and we've got some season premieres we want to talk to you about it tell you about it, so hold on buckle up, here we go are you ready critic? I, I hope so well you better <laughs> dust off them uh, crusty heels from walking <laughs> on <Heels>. the beaches <laughs> yes the beaches of sand dust them off because you are going to be running through this let's start with cbs now we always have to make it clear we're talking about cbs not cbs access blood and treasure is making its series debut uh with about 13 episodes you can catch it on cbs now the question is do you want to
0: Mm, Well, it's CBS's attempt to provide mindless entertainment for the summer, and they've succeeded with the mindless part. Now, the story is about the discovery of Antony's and Cleopatra's long-lost tomb, which leads to the abduction of an antiquities expert by terrorists and sparks an international search for her and her discovery by a former FBI agent who now hunts down stolen art and his former girlfriend, who's now a sophisticated thief. And their hunt is financed by a wealthy man played by John Laroquette. But none of that really matters because anyone who watches this will likely do so just to have something on in the background, which I guess counts for something.
1: Dang! Did you hear that? Well, hell, let's move on. <laughs> Sundance! Sundance TV. The Name of the Rose, with one of our favorite actors, John Turturro. It's a miniseries, so you don't have to fully commit. Just about eight episodes. Do tell us about The Name of the Rose.
0: Well, John plays William of Baskerville, a Franciscan friar, who's like Sherlock
1: Holmes
0: if he lived during the 14th century and were thrust into a setting that's comparable to something out of The Last Kingdom or Vikings. Yeah. And the cast is composed of some familiar and experienced actors, including, along with Tuturo, Rupert Everett, the missing's Chucky Carrillo, and Michael Emerson, among others whom you may recognize when you see them. Hmm. However, while The Name of the Rose tries to keep things moving, its writing just isn't up to the task. So, you should watch this only if you're interested in seeing what Turturro can conjure up in a grittier sort of period piece, seemingly
1: all on his own. Oh, I would love to see John Turturro in period. Moving on to Netflix. Now, this is hot all over everybody. Everybody's talking about what if. Yes, Renee Zellweger is back. but She's on TV. It's an anthology. You can binge it all because it's on Netflix. But the question is... Do we want to? I don't know. She's giving me some, like, Sharon Stone-esque basic instinct kind of thing going on, especially in the advertisements. What, 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 what is going on with What If?
0: Yeah, and that's absolutely right. Now, uh, there's a woman played by Renee. She looks out on nighttime San Francisco, and she records what sounds like a manifesto. Now, her name is Ann Montgomery, and she's a venture capitalist who talks like a deranged life coach. Okay. Then we find out that what she was saying has turned into a book a year later, and we find out that she's had some sort of effect, and it ain't a good one, on Lisa Ruiz Donovan, who's the founder of a biotech startup that's in need of a major investment. It's personal for Lisa, and it's personal for her husband, Sean, who's an EMT and bartender. And one night after he asks for any last calls at the bar, Anne is there, which leads to her making the couple an indecent proposal that they can't refuse. But what will be the consequences of going through with Anne's outrageous offer? And will Lisa and Sean be able to withstand its aftermath? Plus, they have friends and family who Uh, might wind up being collateral damage. And with that, here's my suggestion to you. If you like all things bonkers, then what if might appeal to you. And to find out whether that's the case, all you need to do is watch until a little over halfway through its first episode until you get to a fire. And if you're still interested after seeing that, then have at it. Otherwise, just know that this is what appears to be an incoherent spawn of The Devil's Advocate and Chicago Fire, along with whatever else you want to throw in. Uh, Even 666 Park Avenue comes to mind.
1: Oh, my God!
0: At least it's (laughs) not boring. You know, it's not boring. (laughs) And Renee Zellweger seems to be enjoying uh, playing a character who just might be the devil.
1: I don't know. Oh, speaking Hmm. of the devil. You did this on purpose. Good Omens on amazon mm mm mm, mm. It, uh, now look you got an angel you got a double mm-hmm. the question is who are you going to let rule? who are you going to let take over very familiar cast should we watch this it's only six episodes
0: that's right and supposedly they are not doing any more seasons
1: okay. i like when that happens
0: mhm now at the beginning of good omens god who's voiced by francis mcdormand decides to get the record straight on a few things, such as how the universe came to be and what the point of it all is. And then we're taken to the beginning of mankind. So it's all about Adam and Eve and that serpent. But just who or what was that serpent really? Well, it's a demon named Crawley or Crowley, depending on the timeline.
1: Mr. Crowley.
0: (laughs) And this demon, who's played by David Tennant, is of the irreverent sort. Nothing's that big of a deal. Now, his angel counterpart is Aziraphale, who's played by Michael Sheen. And all Aziraphale can worry about is whether he made some sort of mistake in giving Adam and Eve fire to help them on their journey out of the Garden of Eden. Never mind that they've been banished and that they, along with all of mankind, will face innumerable hardships from now to the end. Hmm. Then we shuttle forward to the 21st century, and a momentous occasion is about to commence. The Antichrist is on his way.
1: Oh, dear God, blah, blah.
0: Now, interestingly enough, it's up to Crowley to ensure that the Antichrist baby is given to the satanic nuns to be foisted upon an unsuspecting yet politically important couple. What? But do you think things go along along the way they want to? Do they go according to plan? Also, Crowley's not alone in receiving an important duty because Aziraphale is also tasked, and he's tasked, by the way, by... John Ham, snooty Archangel Gabriel with keeping an eye on Crowley and the Babe. And from there, Crowley and Aziraphale actually team up to try to stop the coming of Armageddon Mm. because they both like their lives on Earth just the way they are. Thank you very much. But they might not have the right information. And if you think that sounds like fun, then Good Omens should do a good enough job of entertaining you. It's based on Terry Pratchett's and Neil Gaiman's novel, so it's a cheeky and fantastical take on the story of the end times. And while it's not something that bowled me over, I do like its cast and its sensibility, and it did make me laugh a little. (laughs)
1: A little can be a lot to others. (laughs) American Princess, which is on Lifetime? Mm -hmm. Yes, this is something that the critic has watched. And I am quite curious as to, is this something we should be watching?
0: Well, Amanda is an oh-so-privileged bride-to-be, and it's her wedding day. Hmm. Her sister's a snooty annoyance, and her mom's even worse. But when Amanda discovers that her soon-to-be husband is getting it on with someone not named Amanda. Uh Uh-oh. She hightails it away from her life as a pampered princess and into a renaissance fair.
1: Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. But of course she has no idea of what a renaissance fair is, however, while at said fair, she shows that she knows a thing or two about Elizabethan times, okay, all the while judging the people around her. But she might want to reserve that judgment for herself because they're the happy ones, not her. So what do you think happens from there, huh? She well, falls you gotta... in
1: love with someone there.
0: Well, it's on Lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a guy, right? And there are people who might have a grudge against her and so on and so forth. Now, here's what I have to say about all of this. This is such a strange premise. But actually, that's the reason to give American Princess a look-see, if you dare. Just Mm. an attempt to grasp what they're trying to do, which can't be captured fully in words. Uh, Even still, here's the bottom line. This is a silly summer offering from Lifetime that tries to do something different, which does count for something. But unfortunately, its premise and writing don't wear well.
1: Aye, aye, aye. But hey, you said give it a shot if it's something that you're interested in. So hey, you well done. Yeah, Lifetime. Perpetual Grace LTD mm. huh. on Epics, if you have it. <laughs> it is premiering its first episode, and he, there are 10 of them. Are we going to be watching this? How do we, if we want to?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't get epics from your cable provider, if you have one, uh, you can pay them directly. They do, do have a standalone app now, just so you know. Now, James is having a rough go of it at the beginning of Perpetual Grace Limited. He's a firefighter who has walked away from fighting fires because he just can't take it anymore. And afterward, he winds up meeting a ne'er-do-well named Paul in New Mexico. And Paul has a proposition for him: Uh-oh. if James helps Paul steal four million smackaroonies from Paul's parents, then James can have half of the money. Now, doing this should be easy because Paul's parents, who are called Ma and Pa, by the way, and who are played by Jackie Weaver and Ben Kingsley. <laughs> are just a couple of old people who have uh, a church and who help people break their addictions to drugs. So all James needs to do is this. Acquire a methadone habit, number one. Okay. Get in their good graces as they help him break his habit. Tell them that Paul needs their help in Mexico so that they rush to his aid and into a trap, thereby making it possible for them to be pronounced dead.
1: What in the what?
0: And impersonate Paul to get the money so that the real Paul can have plausible deniability after their money's gone and they return from Mexico and their false deaths. Uh Uh-huh. So really easy, right? Yeah. Good grief. (laughs) Plus, do you really think that Ma and Pa are as vulnerable as Paul makes them out to be? I'll just say this. James is going to have much more than just his hands full dealing with the two of them and their son. Plus, there are other characters involved that I won't even mention. And with that, Perpetual Grace Limited begins. And I've got to say that you won't know what in the world you're watching until you start watching it for a while. It's like uh, the baby of something from the Coen brothers and Amazon's Patriot which was created by the same people. Mm. It's neo-noir in the midst of a Western setting. So (laughs) if you like shows that march to the beats of their own drums, then Perpetual Grace Limited might be just what the doctor ordered. For me, after the first episode, I'm on the fence because it doesn't quite click all the way.
1: Well, nobody's running out to grab Epics because of it, so... (laughs) If you dare, you there's Get Shorty. <laughs> there's Get Shorty. Now, this is, I, when I first set, saw this title, it looks like NOS4A2, but it's Nos4A2? Nosferatu, yeah. Nosferatu? Nosferatu? <laughs> Uh, it's on AMC and why they did that that way you will only be able to tell us you can catch the full season which AMC often does on AMC Premiere which is their streaming service I would assume uh, to call it Uh, you have to pay for it but if not you can watch it episode by episode and I have a feeling that you are going to be sharing about something that I'm not gonna watch (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you mean you don't want to see a horror show? Oh my gosh, listeners, you know me by now.
0: Now, a little kid is awakened from his sleep while his mother is preoccupied. Mm -mm. He asks to sleep with her, but again, she's preoccupied. Okay. Then sometime later, the kid is lured into a vintage British car by the promise of presents. And in that car, as he witnesses the slaughter of his mother, oh, he encounters a creepy old-looking dude named Charlie Manx, played by Zachary Quinto. And Charlie promises to take the kid to Christmas land, where unhappiness is outlawed. But why? I mean, what in the world is going on here? Well, that's exactly what Maggie, who was planning to walk the kid to school in the morning, wants to know. And she has these magical Scrabble tiles that spell out where both the danger and the help lie. (laughs) In addition, there's Vic, who's a teenager from the wrong side of the tracks, but she's smart and talented. Her parents aren't the best, and she's friends with a wealthy girl who has wealthy friends, of course.
1: She better not be black.
0: No, she's not. So Mm -hmm. you can guess what happens on that count. Well, actually, the wealthy girl is black. Mm. Mm. But there's something else going on with Vic that's of the utmost importance. You see, she's having mysterious visions that in some way connect her to Charlie. But here's the thing. If Nosferatu, which is based on Joe Hill's novel of the same name, and by the way, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son.
1: Oh! Mm -hmm.
0: So it's based on that novel. Well, if, if this show wants to be scary, then it first must be intelligible. And based on the pilot, that's just not the case. I mean, you can't be scary if you're being too cryptic about what's going on. I have to uh, understand what I need to be afraid of, people.
1: Okay. Plus,
0: the it. writing just doesn't warrant any patience. So, what's next?
1: <laughs> now, we're going to um, definitely just slow down just a little bit because this director likes things slow. Yeah on Netflix if you don't know you's about to know hmm. when they see us which was originally called the uh Central Park 5 when they see us is on Netflix and it's directed by Ava DuVernay mm-hmm. and uh this is the one that you when I said Central Park 5 you're like ooh wait, you mean those five innocent teens who were accused of murdering someone yes hmm those five black teens and she made a four-part series about it and everybody's talking about it are you talking about it
0: well yeah we are going to slow down here and here we go in april of 1989 kids were being kids parents were being parents and people were being people in harlem Mm -mm. and so on one night a bunch of teenagers entered the northern portion of central park to do what teenagers do but some of them were definitely up to no good. They were engaged in horrendously violent acts. And as a result, all of them were rounded up by the cops, whether it was warranted or not. Now, what none of them knew was that a young white woman who was jogging in the park had been viciously raped in a different location at the park, not too long after they were there. And because of that, it was quite the leap to assume that they had anything to do with that rape. But for the head of the Manhattan District Attorney's Sex Crimes Unit, Linda Fairston, played by Felicity Mm Hoffman, there must be a connection between the kids uh, and uh, the rape. It's got to be. They just have to force the confessions out of them. And that's what she and the detectives do, despite the mild objections of certain colleagues. But not once does anyone think about the five boys who wind up as their pawns and who obviously weren't doing anything wrong, let alone raping someone. Mm. They're not thugs or animals, despite what Linda says and thinks. They're kids. And their names are Antron, Kevin, Yousef, Raymond, and Corey, who's the oldest of the five at the age of 16. And with that, When They See Us begins its depiction of a searingly true story with a focus not only on a legal system that's set up to criminalize people of color, but also on wrongfully convicted kids who became men while in prison and their families who have very little agency. It's the kind of miniseries that dries the throat and stings the eyes. Mm. And in fact, it would fit in rather well, both thematically and stylistically with some of HBO's recent miniseries.
1: The Night Of!
0: There's one of them. And Show Me a Hero. Mm -hmm. And while it's not quite as excellent as The Night Of, it's certainly very good and is on par with Show Me a Hero. And even when it threatens to go over the edge a bit, it does manage to maintain a sense of urgency and clarity. After all, this is the kind of story that creator Avert DuVernay knows how to tell and she doesn't disappoint. Ditto for her cast, which includes Moonlight's Jarrell Jerome, Come on. along with Anja New Ellis, Vera Farmiga, John Leguizamo, mm-hmm. Niecy Nash,
1: Come on.
0: and Michael K. Williams, among right. many others.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And so I must say that when they see us, is a mini series that's certainly worth a watch for everyone, regardless of how rough it can be, because it successfully captures for all of us just how harrowing it can be to live in a world that doesn't see you as human.
1: Wow. With that, I think we need a break. Yeah. We'll be right back.